Fresh manna fell to the ground as a gift from God while the Israelites were in the wilderness. This is what they ate for 40 years. It was fresh from the ovens of heaven, baked by the master baker himself. How the Israelites must have anticipated the taste and smell of each morning's delivery. Just like the Israelites, you too can now experience the taste and smell of fresh manna. Today, you will be listening to Jermaine Gale, pastor of the East Lansing University and Lansing Spanish Seventh-day Adventist Churches. And now, here's Pastor Jermaine. All right. Let us pray. Father, thank you for loving us the way you do. And thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to love one another. Thank you for being present here with me and being with all of us. Speak to us now is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let everyone say, Amen. Mick read our scripture and I was already getting excited because of the tone of Paul's words. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Such a beautiful passage of Scripture. You know what? Let's read that one more time. And let's try to do it together. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. The Bible says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Are you with me? Let's do it together that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Another rendering of the text in the ESV goes as follows. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to the point of despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Come with me to Macedonia. For the Apostle Paul, Macedonia was a dream. That's how it started. He landed in this turbulent city because God had literally directed his path. Macedonia. We read in Acts chapter 16, if you'll turn there with me, Acts chapter 16. And in our Friday night Bible studies, we've been talking about the fact that the best commentary for the letters of the Apostle Paul in the general epistles is the book of Acts. Acts is the best commentary when trying to understand those letters, those books of the Bible. For the Apostle Paul, Macedonia, as I shared before, was a dream. He had a desire to go to Asia to preach the gospel. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, Now when they had gone through Phrygia, and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by who? The Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They're wanting to go to Asia to preach the gospel, but the Lord closed the door. The Lord did what? 
close the door. We read in Acts chapter 16 and verse 7, After they had came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. The Lord closed the door. The Lord did what? Closed the door. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you are trying to sort out what's going to happen next in your life only to find a closed door in front of you? You make all the plans. You want to go in a certain direction, but the Lord closed the door. The Lord did what? Closed the door. God had closed two doors. And I can imagine the anxiety of the Apostle Paul trying to figure out where to go next. His prayers, I imagine, would have been overwhelmed by the subject. Where does God want me to go? Have you ever found yourself praying that kind of prayer? Lord, where do you want me to go next? I was trying to go here, but the door is closed. Then I try to go this way, but that door is also closed. There are times when we pray, Lord, I have too many doors open. Can you close a few so I know which one to choose? Close the doors. Where does God want me to go? What is his will for my life? You've been there before. Tried your very best to get through a door of opportunity only to find it closed in your face. Michigan State students might not have been the first place you wanted to be, but God closed all the other doors and you end up here. Some of you might have wanted to move to Florida around wintertime, but the Lord closed the door on your travel plans. There are times when the Lord closes the door. The Lord does what? Closes doors. The Apostle Paul was experiencing one of those moments. And you imagine, when the doors closed in front of you, we built up a sense of anxiety. Where does God want me to go? What does he want me to do? And so the Apostle Paul, I imagine, was praying, and God answered his prayer. You see, Paul had God close to him. He would hear his voice speaking. And we read in Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, that after Paul, I imagine, was praying, God now speaks to Paul in a vision. Verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. The Lord opened a door. The Lord did what? The Lord closed two doors. And then the Lord opened one door. God wanted Paul in Macedonia. Is that clear from the text? Yes. God was directing the path of the apostle. Is that clear in the text? Yes. Verse 10, the Bible confirms the commitment of Paul, Silas, and Luke. Luke is the author of the text. He's writing, and he's sharing the story, and the Bible says in verse 10, now after he had seen, meaning Paul, he had seen the vision, immediately we collectively, meaning Paul, Silas, and Luke, we sought to go to Macedonia. Why? Concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. The Lord closed two doors. The Lord opened one door. And that door was straight to Macedonia. You see, Macedonia, as I said before, started as a dream. It was a vision that Paul had. God gave him clarity in the night. And Paul was now setting his mind straight to go to Macedonia, following God's will. Amen? But there was a lot waiting for Paul in Macedonia. And there are things that we need to understand today when it comes to following the will of God. Some suggest 
that Paul might have recognized this man to be from Macedonia simply because the way he was dressed or the accent in which he spoke. But Paul, it was clear. Regardless of how he recognized the gentleman, it was very clear that God wanted him in Macedonia. We read, again, of Paul's commitment. We immediately, in other words, we packed our bags right away and we were on the way to Macedonia. They boarded a ship and they were sailing towards Europe. God wanted Paul in Europe. He wanted to go to Asia, but God wanted Paul in Europe. Today, God wants many of us in East Lansing. We might have a desire to go somewhere else, but God wants us here. Yes. Therefore, verse 11, sailing from Choas, we ran a straight course. I love how the Bible says that we ran a what kind of course? A straight course to Samothrace, and next day came to Neapolis, and then on their way to Macedonia. They come to Philippi, and Paul, as soon as they landed in Macedonia, he finds this lady by the name of Lydia. She was a seller of purple, purple garments that were dyed. And Paul reached out to Lydia, and she received the gospel message. She was converted. Later on, we would find that Paul also ministered to the family of a jailer, but Paul's success compared to his battles and his difficulty was very little. The price he had to pay in Macedonia for two families to be one was a very high price. What kind of price? A very high price. You see, Paul understood something very important we're going to get to as we talk about broken jars. When Paul got to Macedonia, the trouble started. By the way, Macedonia was a war zone. Paul had set foot in Macedonia long after a war was won. And this city was not just a small city. It was controlled by the Romans and contended over many times. Paul would gaze upon the triumphal arches built to honor the winners of wars. There was Brutus who won the battle over Cassius and there was Augustus Caesar, who won the battle over Brutus. This was a war zone. God closed all the other doors and sent Paul to a war zone. Are there times when God closes all other doors and send us in the middle of battle? This is what's happening now. Paul would reach Lydia in this war zone, but then trouble would begin. Paul would reach the jailer in Macedonia. But trouble would begin there. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, you're already there. We read here, verse 16 of Acts chapter 16. This is where the trouble started. There was this girl, the Bible says a slave girl, followed Paul. She was possessed by a spirit, or with the spirit of divination. She met us, the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Paul had pitched his evangelistic tent. He was preaching the message of God, and a fortune-teller shows up in the meeting and is sharing the stage with the Apostle Paul. As Paul is preaching about Jesus, this fortune-teller would follow him wherever he went and would say, this man is a man of God. The Bible says in verse 17, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men 
are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She was known in the town as a fortune teller. That was her identity or legacy. That was her life. That was her livelihood. She had attached herself to Paul's ministry. The Bible says in verse 18, and this made me chuckle when I read it. It made me laugh, actually. Because the Bible says, and this she did for how long? Many days. But notice Paul's response. But Paul, greatly annoyed. It's okay for Christians to get annoyed sometimes. Paul was annoyed by this. And he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Paul was annoyed by the spirit that was consuming this lady. And he commanded that she be free in the name of Jesus and freedom was experienced. But verse 19, trouble starts. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace and to the authorities. Who sent them to Macedonia? God. Did God know that there was trouble waiting for them in Macedonia? Is it possible, friends, that sometimes God sends us into the war zone knowing that sometimes we may get hurt? Is it possible that sometimes God may send us on the battlefield knowing that sometimes we may get hurt? Is it possible that God may send us to places, friends, that we may get annoyed? No. Paul had gone to Macedonia, as you reflect on that. Paul had gone to Macedonia. Remember, with clarity, he knew that God was calling him. He knew that it was the Lord's will for him to be there. And he comes, and this lady attaches herself to his ministry, immediately pointing him out as the one who points out the way of salvation. She was distracting from his ministry by taking credit that belonged only to God. Satan is in the business of annoying God's people. He does it all the time. He uses the little things to annoy God's people. He uses the big things to annoy God's people. That car you prayed for for a very long time, God finally answered your prayer, and all of a sudden Satan shows up the wheel, locks up or whatever. Friends, sometimes the will of God includes, listen to me now, the will of God includes trials and difficulties. God does not call his people to navigate around problems. He calls us to go through them with him. So Paul in Macedonia, greatly annoyed, Satan again is in the business of annoying God's people. Now, now again, did God send Paul to Macedonia? The answer is clear, yes. Here's the truth. Friends, you need to know that no amount of trial or the presence of trial is any evidence that God has changed his mind regarding the call. Sometimes God tells you to go in a certain direction, and the presence of trial immediately causes you to doubt whether God had called you here. The presence of difficulty causes you to doubt whether God wants you on this track. But friends, trial, the presence of trial is not evidence that God changed his mind. So the Apostle Paul would still stay 
in Macedonia. The Bible says the situation develops in verse 20, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. One, a whole city against three guys. Just imagine that. And they, verse 21, teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. These rods, by the way, were very thick. Length, five feet, five feet long. And the magistrates would administer the punishment. They would beat the apostles. Just imagine Paul thinking, first of all, he was annoyed. Now he's being beaten. And he's imagining and thinking, well, God called me to Macedonia. But things would get worse. You see, after they had beaten Paul, the Bible says here in verse 23, and when they had laid, how many stripes? In other words, they didn't just stop at two. Two was enough to create an impact. But they laid many stripes on Paul. After they had laid many stripes on the apostle, the Bible says on them, they threw them, they did what? Threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Did God call them to Macedonia? God gave them a vision. They were called to Macedonia, and now they were experiencing some trial. Paul was getting beaten. He was first annoyed. He was now being beaten. He was now thrown in prison. And the Bible says when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. They didn't open the door and say, you may freely come in. They just grabbed them, threw them in. Following the will of God, the Bible says, having, verse 24, having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Paul was now a prisoner in a war zone. Paul was now prisoner in Macedonia. Paul would summarize his experience, if you'll go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5, Paul would summarize his experience in Macedonia this way. And there's a great feeling there, one in which we're feeling today, we can reflect on Paul's experience and we can think of our own because today we too are experiencing some of these things. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5, for indeed, the Apostle Paul reflecting on his experience, for indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no what? No rest. Have you ever felt so weighed down that you can't even have a moment to rest? No sleep, weighed down by your problem or your trial. God called you, and now, all of a sudden, there are difficulties, and you can't find a moment of rest. Paul says, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on how many sides? On every side. We were troubled on every side. Outside were what? Conflicts. Inside were fears. God calls you, you end up in the place where he wants you to be, and in that place you're experiencing conflicts on the outside, and then inside of you something else shows up, that big fear, and we're overwhelmed by it. And so our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
The Bible says Paul, again, describing this. Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 through 9, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side. Have you felt hard pressed lately? Have you been feeling hard pressed by your experiences? Have you been hard pressed by your conflicts? Have you felt that you are being squeezed by your trials? Have you been feeling your own fragility? Have you realized and recognized how fragile you are? The Apostle Paul is bringing to our minds something that is very, very important, very, very valuable. He says, we are what? We have this treasure in what kind of vessels? Earthen vessels, literally clay pots. When Paul looks at himself, all he sees is but a clay pot. Jeremiah, the Bible tells us that God is the potter and we are the clay. And he molds us and he moves us wherever he wants to. He puts us on the shelf in a high place, a high position in our workplaces. And then he takes us down and puts us in a low spot. But ultimately, he chooses where the clay pot goes. So Paul says we are earthen vessels, but nothing but clay pots. And God moved this clay pot to Macedonia. And he was being pressed there, squeezed in. This year, we are being squeezed in by opinions. We're being squeezed in by conflicts in the home, conflicts at work, conflicts at school. We are being all squeezed in by the many things that are happening in society. Do you feel pressed? Is it just me? Or do we all feel pressed? Hemmed in on every side. But friends, there's a purpose for which the clay pot serves. God has a greater vision for the clay pot than we have imagined. God has a greater vision for the clay pot than we have not realized up to this point. You are a vessel. A container in which God wants to place something very, very important. So yes, sometimes the will of God includes annoyances. Yes, sometimes the will of God includes stripes on the side of those clay pots. Yes, sometimes the will of God means the clay pots will be placed in prison and fastened in the stocks. Yes, the will of God includes us being tested and tried. Yes, the will of God means that sometimes our hearts may be weighed down by our own difficulty. And we come face to face with our fears. Conflicts on the outside. Fears on the inside. A man by the name of Justin Rosenstein dedicated himself to creating one of the most simple yet debatable features of Facebook. He spends months on the project trying to develop this one thing. He came down to the wire. It was the final night. And he pulled in all night trying to design this one feature. The feature? The like button. Justin Rosenstein made the like button and made his pitch at Facebook. And they had, by the way, at first wanted to call the like button the awesome button. But it just didn't ring right. And so it became the like button. 
We live in a society now where we live for the like button. We look at reviews and we see, well, whether this organization or place has a five-star or four-star, how many people like this place? We visit our Facebook pages and we wonder how many people like my page? How many people liked my picture that I just posted? What if I told you that God is more concerned about the light that the vessels contain than the likes that the vessels receive? What if I told you today that God wants us to focus more on the lights in the container and not the containers themselves? What if I told you today that God wants us to take our attention off of the clay pots, meaning us, and to put our attention on Him being the light that it contains? You see, when Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians, I imagine him thinking back to a moment in battle, another war field, another place where there was a battle going on. I imagine him thinking of Gideon and his army. In this war zone in Macedonia, I imagine Paul thinking back to Judges chapter 7. Turn with me to Judges chapter 7 as we wrap this up. Broken jars. You see, when we think of Gideon's story, a lot of times we think of us, ourselves, being among the 300. We never think of ourselves being among the larger group, which was then narrowed down to a smaller group. We don't think of ourselves as being among even the 300. We often think of ourselves being among the 100, and we narrow it down even to being Gideon. Everyone wants to be the hero in the story. But the Apostle Paul, when he thinks of Gideon's story, he does something very unique. The Bible says in Judges chapter 7, and we're reading verses 16 through 18, the Bible says there, Then he, being Gideon, divided the 300 men into three companies. That's after he had narrowed down the group, because God had asked him to do that. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand. And then what else? With empty Pitchers, clay pots. They're going into battle and they have with them a trumpet and a clay pot. How many of you go into war with a trumpet and a clay pot? What are you going to do? Work pottery on me to death? I mean, uh, how does that work? You know, uh, are you going to play songs until I fall asleep? A trumpet and a clay jar. God asked them to do this, and so they marched into war with a trumpet and a clay pot. And the Bible says that the clay pot served a purpose. Verse 17, and he said to them, look at me and do likewise, Gideon being the leader. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Going down to verse 19, verse 19 to 21, the Bible says, So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets, and what did they do with the jars? They broke the clay pots. Why did they break the clay pots? The Bible tells us. It goes on. They broke the clay pots pots that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches 
in their left hands and the trumpet in their right hands. By the way, what they would do in the battle was that they would bring their torches in the clay pots. Firebrand that wouldn't go out to illuminate the battlefield. And so Gideon and his army would break the clay jar to demonstrate that in this battle, there is some light. In this dark world, we need light. And God will provide the light. And so Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, turn there with me again, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to see it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. The Apostle Paul says this, For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Notice what God does. God says you are nothing more than a jar of clay, but I'm going to invest in you by putting light in you so that the world may see that torch burning bright. You know a lovely song we like to sing? Take your candle, go light the world. You know the words of that song? It's so interesting, so powerful, that God would put that which is most powerful in such simple vessels. That's what Paul is saying. You and I are nothing more than clay jars. But God would invest by pouring into us his light. And what is this light? Paul goes on, this treasure. But we have this treasure in clay pots that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, our reaction on the trial, the glory must always go back to God because of how fragile the clay pots are. And so when we're tested in Macedonia, when we are in the war zone and we are being pressed on every side, our responses must give glory to the one who puts the fire in our hearts. Oh, I just love the Lord, don't you? He pours himself in us. In us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In us. We have a lot of problems. Some of us come in here today as broken jars. Cracked because of some things we have experienced in life. Cracked this year even. But God is still pouring fire into clay jars. Because there's a war going on that is much bigger than what's happening in Macedonia. Because that great war is called the great controversy. We know that there's a battle between good and evil. A battle between right and wrong. And God wants people to shed light in the world. So stop focusing on the clay jar. And start focusing on the light. Don't be overwhelmed by your fears and your conflicts. Be overwhelmed by the power of God. Come on somebody. Oh, yes. Yes, verse 8, we may be hard-pressed on every side, yet we are not crushed because that light. Yes, friends, we can respond differently. We are perplexed. But we don't get to the point of being in despair because God is in control of that clay jar. And if he breaks it, friends, let us celebrate. Because the light will illuminate the path of someone else. Let us not complain under the weight of our trials. 
But let the light of God illuminate the places, the spaces in which he places us. So Paul, verse 9, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Let's go back to Macedonia and let us see what happens when there is a complete understanding of this treasure on the inside. Acts chapter 16. Macedonia was started as a dream. But Macedonia would end with a song. And I just love that. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that we're going down now to verse 25. Verse 25 of Acts chapter 16, I'm getting excited. Verse 25, the Bible says, but at midnight, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Where were they? In prison. They had been beaten real bad. But you see, they, they didn't really, the clay jar didn't matter to them. It was that fire that they had in mind. And at midnight, that dark moment in prison, Paul and Silas were not having a sleepless night simply because they were stressed out or full of anxiety, couldn't function. They were awake because they couldn't help but to praise the God who had called them to Macedonia. God would invest such power in clay jars that they could not stop but to praise his name because of what he does. Yes, we may be pressed. Yes, we may experience some difficulty. Yes, the challenges are all around us. But we too can pray and sing at midnight. When they realized this, these clay jars in prison, the Bible says after they prayed and after they sang, and the Bible says suddenly, no, 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 let me go back. Praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were what? Listening to Paul and Silas were having their own, Paul, Silas, and Luke were having their own little trio in their little cell. And they were entertaining and speaking words of truth to all the prisoners in the cell. You see, God had sent them to Macedonia. He had sent them down into the prison because he knew that there were prisoners who needed light. And so whatever he chooses to do with this clay pot, let him do it. I don't resist where God calls me to go. Because he knows that wherever he sends me, there are men and women who need light. And the Bible says, suddenly, verse 26, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. I'm celebrating now. Friends, such treasure in clay pots. God would use these men to break the chains of prisoners. Simple clay jars, easily broken, so fragile, yet contain such power. And Paul is saying the glory goes to God and no one else. Because all I am is just a clay pot. There's nothing special about me, but everything special about my Lord. Friends, you know what? Jesus, the night 
he was going to be betrayed, took bread, and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body, my jar of clay, which is broken for you. How could you not love such a God like that? He himself was broken so that we may experience that power. If he didn't do it, we we would have no chance. We would have no chances. But he did it. Broken us. And then we refuse to allow that great God to move the clay jars around a little bit. I hope we don't respond that way. I know we have been tried and tested and you know what your trials are. You know what you're currently going through. But I'm here to tell you today that God wants to do something with your clay vessel. And he wants to do something very special with it. If you'll allow him. I don't know what your situation is or what your Macedonia is. I don't know what it is you're in right now, but I want to tell you that God wants to use your clay jar to do something special. Students, God can use your clay jar to cause an earthquake at Michigan State. Church family, church members, God can use your clay jar to cause an earthquake in your community, your neighborhood. He can use you to loose the chains of so many people around you who are bound, going in the wrong direction. And they're crying out for freedom. And God is sending us into prisons because He knows that people need some clay jars with light in them. So yes, if He breaks me, if He breaks us, then I pray that the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ may shine brightly, unhindered by anything in me. Let it be that we use that torch as we are in battle. As we are in battle. I want to ask you today to experience that kind of power. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to the Lord. And yes, you made so many commitments, but no, no, no. Let's make this different. Asking the Lord to help you to change your focus off of you so that you may see the torch burning. If the fire has gone out, I want you to make a commitment to ask Him to reignite that fire in your soul, in your heart, so that you may be on fire for Christ and not on fire for just yourself. Would you like to make that commitment today? If that is you, I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray to close today. And friends, if you have not yet experienced the power of God, you are truly missing out. God wants to do something special with clay pots. And we ought to let Him do it. Let us pray. Father, You're just such an awesome God. We love you and our love is just nothing. You read in scripture that we love you because you first loved us. You made the first step, the first move. And so us standing today, Lord, is 
in response to you standing up for us so long ago. And you still do today. We bring nothing else before you except these jars of clay. Fragile. And we ask that you fill us. There's a battle going on. We have a war that's taking place. And we pray that if we are broken, that it may not be just a useless broken jar, but may have within us that fire that sheds light on the world. There are many people around us, Father, who need you. Help us to see them. Open our eyes. Give us more of you and take away all of us. We are tired of us. We are just so full of problems. We want you, Jesus, to take control of our lives. Father, we submit to you now, asking that you work your mighty work in us. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Jermaine Gale, pastor of the East Lansing University and Lansing Spanish Seventh-day Adventist Churches. If you enjoyed this sermon, why not visit one of his churches this coming Sabbath or a church near you listed on strongtowerradio.org. You will find the East Lansing University Church at 504 Ann Street in East Lansing, Michigan, and their church service begins at 11.20 a.m. Or visit the Lansing Spanish Church located at 111 North Magnolia Avenue in Lansing, Michigan, and their church service begins at 11.30 a.m. This program is a Strong Tower Radio production.